along digitally if you'd like. Uh, before we uh, get to that, and as you're turning there, I wanted to mention next Sunday, uh, after the second service, we're going to be doing what we typically call Leaders Together Huddles. And these are for the leaders of New Hope Church to come together, and we do trainings and, 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 uh, and talk about where we're going as a church. I want to extend this invitation really to everybody in the church. Recently, the elders had a retreat, and we laid out some fantastic and, and exciting vision plans for where we're going as a church. And I'd like to just take, we're only going to go for 30 minutes. It's a short time after the second service, but just take a few moments to share that with you so that you just know where we're going as a church, can ask questions and interact. I think that's important that, uh, that you have some of these big picture projects and, and you know what they are so that you know uh, how to pray and how to, how to just do where we're going. And so uh, just know that's happening next Sunday after the second service. I invite all of you to be a part of that so you can get that on your calendar uh, for that time. Okay, as you're turning to Philippians 2, remember we're in a sermon series called Joyride. We're looking at uh, going through the book of, book of Philippians and Paul's letter here to the uh, Philippian church. Now there's lots of great content in this, in this book, but really one of the themes we're talking about this morning is joy. And joy is, is something that is it's significant. It's something that we, and you know this as well as I do, that people are, are looking for, people long for, but more often than not, they never find. That it's something that joy, the way God's designed it, it shows up in surprising places. And also what we're learning as well is that joy is so much more significant than a smile on our face. That joy that we're talking about, the joy that God wants you and I to experience, is something you can experience regardless of the circumstances of your life. That in your life you could be going through a great season of life or the most difficult season of life. No matter where you walked in these doors this morning, no matter where you're at, that you can still experience the joy the Lord has for you regardless of the situations that you're in. Now just by way of review, and it's on the back page of your bulletin as well, we've got a few uh, examples of what we've been talking about. The first week we talked about, just starting off the book of Philippians, this idea that joy is found in community united around Jesus. See, this idea that Jesus takes strangers and he pulls them together as a family. And these family, such as New Hope, that we, in all of our uniquenesses, we still come together united around one purpose. And we articulate that at New Hope as helping people find and follow Jesus. And that's our mission. So we unite around the mission and then God uses us to make a difference in the world. We find joy in community. The next week we talked about this idea that joy is found in my purpose and not in my position. That so often what happens is that we, we attach our happiness to our circumstances. And so when times are good, we're happy. But when times are not good, we're not happy. And so we become this victim or this roller coaster that we go on over and over again in life. But Paul points out, he says, you know what? If you link your joy to your purpose, which for Paul he articulated in chapter 1, verse 21, he said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And we link our, our, our purpose, we link our joy to our purpose, all of a sudden, we don't ride the circumstances of life. In fact, what we talked about is this idea. If what you're living for is not worth dying for, then it's really not worth living for. Last week we talked about, Pastor Tom talked about this idea that joy is found when I humbly serve Jesus. And we saw this example of, of humility, this calling to humility that we have in Philippians chapter 2. And then we see the example of Christ and Christ living out this humility and our calling to be Jesus-like in that same manner and serve other people. We find joy as we serve. 
And that's a great thing. Now this morning we're going to add a fourth now, a next element to it, this list here. It's your next fill in the blank. And this is something that often is overlooked. It's something that, though that is key for discipleship. If you're here this morning and you're saying, I'm a follower of Christ, then this is really a foundational idea for you and I. And here it is. It's this idea. The joy is found when I put my faith into action. Joy is found when I put my faith into action. You see, there's a world of difference between faith and the idea of believing in God, like believing that God exists or believing that God is good or whatever else we believe about God. There's a world difference between that, and that's good. There's nothing wrong with that. That's important. That's foundational. But also adding to that or living that out of faith being put into action, faith demonstrated by what we do. It goes beyond just what we believe, but it's belief put into action. That's the difference. Now there's a, a story, true story, it's been used many times, you've probably heard this illustration before, but it's worth bringing back. In 1860, a guy named Charles Blondin, he, he, he made the news and he drew the crowds because he took a, a tightrope and he stretched it from one end of the Niagara Fall uh, waterfall to the other. It was over 11,000 feet in the length, that's over a quarter of a mile. And so he had this, he had this, 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 um, this 11,000 foot tightrope stretch across the falls and he would cross over and the crowds began to, to come out and watch. But he didn't just like cross over in a traditional way. I mean, this is insane on a number of levels. First of all, just doing this. But then also he, he did things like he did it on a bicycle and then he did it at night and then he did it, he, he did it blindfolded. Um, he did it on stilts. One time he even did it, he brought a little portable stove and he went out in the middle of the tightrope and he cooked an omelet on his stove on the tightrope over the Niagara Falls. Like that's insane. But, but this guy, I mean obviously he's talented and so he's doing all this and you can imagine the crowds are there and they're cheering him on and, and then this happens, he brings out a wheelbarrow and he says, who believes I can push this wheelbarrow across the rope? you know, the tightrope over Niagara Falls. And obviously, everybody's like, well, yeah, you can do that. You just cook an omelet. Like, you can do anything, right? And, and so he, he says, who believes I can do it? And the crowd's like, oh, yeah, you can do it. You're the greatest, Charles, and all this kind of stuff. He says, who believes I can do it with a person in the wheelbarrow? Oh, yeah, you can do that. You're the best. I mean, you're just, nobody's like you, Charles. You're the greatest tightrope walker there's ever been. We know you can do it. And then he said, any volunteers? Nobody volunteered. That's one stunt that never happened that, that day. Nobody was willing to get in the wheelbarrow. See, it's a great illustration because it highlights something similar to faith as we have it in our, with God. Because we can believe and, and we can have assent in the idea that God, you are great and you are good and you are faithful and you are all these things. But then when it comes to the practicalities of life, we kind of back away sometimes. We, we believe certain things about him. So, for example, we say, you know, God, you can, you can provide. You're the provider. I believe that about you. But I'm going to go ahead and take care of my financial situation myself. Or we say, God, you're a God that can lead. You're a God that gives direction and provision in terms of next steps in my life. But God, practically, I just kind of take care of my own schedule and make my own plans. We, we do this sometimes. And, and here's the thing, to varying degrees... This is every single one of us. Because every single one of us, somewhere in our lives, we hold back. Somewhere in our lives, we say, God, I believe this about you, but I'm not willing to surrender it all to you. 
That every single one of us, there's, there's something about, about a disconnect between the faith that we have not getting to our hands and feet where we actually begin to live that out. And so we don't always surrender. It's not that we don't believe. It just doesn't translate into action. It's not a faith that's lived out. And this morning, here, here's my desire. My desire is to encourage you and I, all of us, that, that we would go beyond belief in God to a faith that is, that is radical, that, that, that is powerful, that is exciting, and it's marked by action. It's a faith where we go past believing God can do something and we start living like he will. It's a faith where we get off our spiritual bottoms and we get in the wheelbarrow. It's a faith where, where, where we begin to trust God in those areas of life that you and I have where we, don't, we hold back. And we say, God, I love you, but not this part. This is what I want to encourage us all, that we would live out this kind of faith, because here's the key. That as we do this, you and I will experience joy. And here's why. Because the joy that he has for you, it doesn't just come from knowing about who God is. It comes from living out your faith for God. Joy is found in that place. And so that's what I want for you. That's what I want for me, for all of us. And so in our passage today, Philippians chapter 2, hopefully you're there uh, by now. We'll have the, the verses on the screen behind here. We're picking up in verse 12, but this morning all I want to do actually is focus on two verses. The whole rest of the chapter is fantastic. I want to encourage you on your own to read the rest of the chapter. Uh, tomorrow's email with the Going Deeper content will have uh, information about the rest of the chapter. But for this morning... Just two verses. Because these two verses are so foundational to helping us understand what it looks like to follow Jesus. What it looks like to put our faith into action. If we really grab a hold of these two verses and how to apply that to our life, it's a game changer. It really is to everyday life and how you and I live as followers of Christ. And so let's jump in. Let's look at our first verse. We're going to pick up in, in verse 12 of Philippians chapter 2. Here's what Paul writes. He says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, and here's the key, he says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, the, the key here, I want to pause here because the, the command in this, this verse is this, that you and I would work out our salvation. That's the command. Now, I want to make sure we're super clear about this because what he didn't say is work for your salvation. That's totally different. In fact, that's the antithesis of everything in the Bible. Interesting enough, every other major world religion in the world is a, is, is a, a religion based on works. It's working for something. That if you're good enough or you do enough good, that somehow then God, uh, you'll earn his favor, you'll earn his approval. But that's not what the scriptures teach. We don't work for salvation because we can never accomplish the goal that way. See, the gospel says, the gospel one, it says that, that salvation or being rescued or having a relationship with Jesus comes as a free gift. It's, it's grace. It's just freely bestowed upon you and I that you and I receive by faith. So we don't work for salvation, but we are commanded to work it out. We're commanded to work it out. So, so what does that mean? Here's what it means. To work out your salvation means to engage in obedience to Christ in the process of becoming more like him. That's what it means. 
The, the fancy word, if you're ever at a dinner party you want to impress your friends, you, the fancy word, here it is, it's sanctification. Sanctification is what we're talking about. See, you, you come to Christ, you say yes to Jesus, you invite him into your heart and life as Lord and Savior, but it doesn't end there. That's actually, that's, that's being born again. That's, that's new birth, new life, and now you begin the adventure of walking with him. And so this is the, the start of then of working out your salvation, the process of becoming more like Jesus, so, so that you and I, that our, our, our priorities, our passions, our pursuits, our character, and more begin to align more and more with Jesus, that we become more like him, that our lives are marked by obedience. That's what it means to work out your salvation. That's what it looks like. But here's the thing, though is that nobody rolls out of bed having done this. Working out your salvation is like working out the gym. It takes effort. You have to pursue it. You have to be intentional. Nobody rolls out of bed holy. Nobody rolls out of bed spiritually mature. There's no pill for it. You can magically take and all of a sudden you're mature. It just doesn't work that way. It takes effort. We're to pursue this. We're to pursue and work on our faith. And so... We're called to love God, and, and we're called to have faith in him, and then we're called to demonstrate that in action. Jesus talks about this. Check out this verse here. Luke chapter 6, verse 46. Jesus is talking, and this is a convicting, convicting question. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, but you don't do what I say? That's convicting, isn't it? This idea that we could believe it's so, and we could even say that it's so, but, but Jesus is saying, but you, you don't live it. There's no action behind it. In that regard, words can be kind of cheap, can't they? Lord, Lord, but actions don't follow. Uh, as an illustration, let me just give an example. I, I love my wife, Laura, and, and I could tell her, I, I could tell her all day long how much I love her. And I could, um, and I have, I'm embarrassed to say, I could write songs about how much I love her. And, and I could sing those songs to her. I could, even, I could even gather a small group of people in my living room. And we can all come together every week and we can talk about how much I love my wife. But if I don't show her love, what difference does it make? If I don't demonstrate love, what does it matter? If you talk about it, if you sing about it, or you go in a small group and you chat about it. See, words are cheap, aren't they? But what the calling is, what it's about, is living it out. Is demonstrating the faith that you and I have. We're called to work out our salvation. So that's our part. So, so that's, imagine a coin. That's one side of the coin. We're going to turn the coin over. Because Paul's going to now introduce a second idea that works in concert with this first idea of you and I working out our salvation. Because that's our part. That takes effort on our part. Look with me now at verse 13 of Philippians chapter 2. Paul says this. He says, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. So, so what's going on here? Well, what's going on? God says, I am commanding you to work out your salvation, which takes effort. And as you're working out your salvation, God says, by the way, I'm going to do all the heavy lifting. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work in you so that you both have the desire to do it and you can actually do it. I'm going to enable you to do it. And, and so I'm calling you to become like Jesus, and I'm going to help you become like Jesus. And I'm, I'm calling you to be obedient, and I'm going to help you to be obedient. 
See, the Christian life is one that, that has this, this synchronicity of, of your effort and God's enabling working together. That, that's how it works. As an illustration, who here remembers, and maybe you've had experience, of driving a car that had no power brakes or no power steering? Anybody remember that? Yeah, so maybe you pulled a muscle, right? I mean, you know, remember how hard that was? Like when you have to like, it's like turning a boat on a cruise ship. You got to turn the wheel and, and then the brakes. If some of you are like, I have no idea what you're talking about. So back in the day, before they had power steering and power brakes, you had to push the brake and it was all your effort to make that car stop. I mean, it was, there was no assist there whatsoever. It was you doing the work. Now for a lot of religious systems to kind of translate to that, that's what it's like to be in that religion. But this verse right here and this promise where God says, look, I'm going to work in you to will and to act according to my good purpose. It's almost like, spiritually speaking, it's like having power brakes and power steering. But here's the key. You still have to turn the wheel. And you still have to push the brake. But now, in your car, it's just tap it with a toe, turn it with your finger. No big deal. And that's kind of what it's like. God says, I'm calling you to this, but my power is going to override. You can do this, but you still have to do this. He can't do it all. It's our faith being put into action where God begins to show up and begins to work in that way. You know, the Bible also gives lots of examples for this. You don't have to turn there, but Matthew chapter 12 is one example. So, so Jesus is there and he's, he's interacting with um, a man who's got, uh, his arm doesn't work right. And who knows what is going on there with his arm, but it doesn't function correctly. And here's a situation where it's, it's this is unique. It doesn't mean it happens this way all the time. But you have this, this time and, and his arm doesn't work and, and Jesus is about to heal him. If we can hit this verse here, Matthew chapter 12, verse 13. Here, here's how the account lays out. It says this, it says, uh, Then Jesus said to the man, stretch out your hand. Now I'm just going to pause here real quick. This is a unique situation. Jesus is interacting with him. It doesn't happen this way all the time. But Jesus says, stretch out your hand. But here's the thing. The guy couldn't do that. That was the point. The point is, his arm didn't work. That was the reason for the healing. Jesus asked him to do something he can't do. Now Jesus could have done this any other way. He could, have, he could have thought healing and just healed him. He could have spoken words. He, he could have done it any way he wanted to. But notice what he does. He asks the man to do something he can't do in order to show, give glory to him and for God to work the miracle that he planned to work. And so let's keep reading. And so what does it say? It says, so he stretched it out. And it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. That's action being married to God's work. That's, that's working out salvation, being connected to God, working in you to enable you to do it. it it's, it's putting faith into action, which is what this guy did. Or how about another example? There's no slide for it in John chapter 5. You have this other example of, of, a, of a man who's been paralyzed for 38 years. Nothing in his body works. He's sitting by the pool. He's, he's longing for healing. Jesus shows up and says, do you want to, be, want to be healed? And he's like, yeah, I want to be healed. And so he says to him, he says, okay. He says, uh, get up, pick up your mat, and go. You might as well have told him to jump over the moon. He couldn't. In his own strength. But that's the point. Jesus commands him to do something he can't do in order to show his glory and for him to work. And so the man, what does he do? He gets up, and he's able to get up. 
But it took him putting his faith into action so that he took that step or he reached out his hand back in Matthew chapter 12. That's what that relationship looks like as the two work together. This last week, Laura and I, uh, in Wisconsin, we had a chance to meet with this group of people. And God has put on their hearts this noble dream of rescuing girls from the sex traffic industry in Thailand. That's what they're about. That's what they want to do. That's what, when they wake up in the morning, when it comes to at least ministry, that's what God is, that's what beats on their heart. And it beat there for a long time. And as they unfolded their story and they began to share about what God has been doing and, and how he worked, it was interesting to hear the nuances of the story because they talked about how God put it on their heart. But for a long time, it just never quite went anywhere because they never quite did anything with it. It just kind of sat there until they finally reached a point where they said, okay, are we doing this or not? Because it was scary, because it's huge, because it can feel overwhelming. But they finally reached the point where they said, we're in. Burn the ships, we're not going back. We're going to do this. And so with complete fear, they took a step. And God showed up. And so they took another step. And God showed up again. And another and another. And their story is still unfolding to this day. And guess what, girls, they're being rescued. Lots of girls. God is showing up and working. But, but what are they doing? Well, they're, they're working it out. And so they're just saying, God, you call us to this. I don't even know how this is going to work, and I'm scared about it. And all the earthly reasons we have to talk ourselves out of doing what God is calling us to do. But they just took a step, and God showed up. Took a step, and God showed up. Just like the man, stretch out your hand. I, I can't, but you're asking me to do it, so okay. Or get up and take your mat. I can't, but God, you can do it. So, okay. See, here's what I know. This is what I know. If you're in relationship with Christ, then he is going to call you to something you can't do on your own strength. He is. If, if you're in relationship with him, you're walking with him, that he, at some point, he's going to call you to do something that feels scary, that feels big, that feels just, God, if you, if I can't without you, because he gets glory in that. Because he wants to put us in a position where we recognize what's always true, but we deceive ourselves so often in realizing how dependent we are on him. And so he'll move us through calling or circumstances into positions where we say, God, I need you. I can't do this on my own. And that's a good thing. It gives you and I a chance to take a step. To take the faith that you have, no matter how big or small that it is, and just say, okay, God, here we go. So I want to ask this morning, what is it for you? What's he doing in your life? What's he doing in your heart? What's he calling you to? What's that thing for you that just feels big? Uh, maybe for you, it's God's calling you into a deeper relationship with him. And you realize that, you know what, you've just been spiritually stuck, plateaued, you're no closer in your relationship with the, with the Lord now than you were two years ago, and it's just there. And so, so you just feel that gentle nudging of God just calling you to that place. And so maybe now, today, starting today, it's to say, okay, God, I'm going to put my faith into action, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a step. So, so maybe I need to find a Bible reading plan or, or begin to, to pray or, or come in by the office at New Hope and just say, I need some tools, I need some encouragement, where do I start? Whatever it is, it's just take a step. 
Or maybe for you, it's about a new venture. That God's put something on your heart, and you don't have all the details worked out. You don't know quite what it looks like, but, but the burn is there. You know what I'm talking about? That, that passion, that, that there's something there that I'm supposed to be doing. And, and so, Lord, it's, it's, I'm trusting, I'm praying. I think it's from you, and so I don't know how it's going to work out, and I can't even describe to you how scared I am about it. And, and I could talk myself into it or out of it multiple times a day, but, God, I'm just going to take a step. And I'm going to see if you show up. I'm going to see what you do. I'm going to take a step. Maybe for you this morning, it's about a relationship. Maybe for you, there's a relationship in your life that's broken, and it's painful, and it's hard. And you know the scriptures talk about how to handle it. And, but, but the truth is, the truth is, conflict is hard, and it's scary. But you know he's calling you to it. And so I want to encourage you this morning, if, if that's, again, if that's you, it's about just take a step. It's about maybe write a letter, pick up a phone, whatever that first step is, to say, God, I'm going to trust you to repair this. Or maybe it's finances for you. And that's an area that consistently you just say, this is, this is my turf, God. You don't, you don't, you're not Lord over this area. And, and maybe for you, it's specifically in the area of giving. And you know God's calling you to it. But it's scary. You know the scriptures that say that as you trust him in this area, in fact, the scriptures are even more bold. It says, test me in this. And God says, test me in this, and I'm going to show you how faithful I am. You will have all that you need. I will, I will provide for you, but I'm calling you to obedience in this area. And so maybe for you, it's saying, okay, God, I'm just going to start somewhere, and I'm going to take a step today. It's time to burn the ships. It's time to move forward. So again, what is it for you? But here's what I know. No, no matter what it is for you, as you do this, even being scared, even with all the unknowns, but as you do this, God is going to show up in your life, and God is going to be glorified in your life. Your, your, your faith is going to be deepened. You know what else? You're going to experience joy. Because joy doesn't just come from knowing about God. It comes from experiencing him in your daily life. That's where it comes. So I want to encourage you. The band, you can come on up if you would, please. I want to encourage you this morning. Take a step. Let's commit today to put our faith that we have, let's put it into action. And watch what God does. Buckle your seatbelt, because it's going to be a remarkable ride. Hey, can we pray together, and then we're just going to respond back to him in worship because of who he is. Oh, some questions on your bulletin there before you go. Uh, question, God is calling me to, that's a great one to reflect on this week. What, what is God calling you to? And filling in that blank there. And based on what that is, I will put my faith into action today by, and you can respond to that. These are for you. These are reflection questions for you. So today, so you can get started. Let's pray together. Lord, you're calling us to something bigger than ourselves and, and bigger than knowledge. It's action. It, it's, Lord, putting our faith into action. It's where we say you are both Lord, Lord, and then we do what you say. And Lord, no matter where we're at this morning in our spiritual journey, I pray that for each one of us, that through your Holy Spirit's enabling as you work to give us both the will and the ability to follow you, that you, Lord, would help us to take a step. Take a step of obedience to trust you. 
And that we begin to hear and know the stories firsthand from our own lives of the ways that you work. We thank you ahead of time for what you're going to do. For your glory. Amen.